Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. On this week's episode, Pastor Chris continues challenging us with the question, are we an Acts Church? We're going to read the word. There was a teacher who came to town one time, and I will never forget this statement. At that time in my life, I associated the presence of God more with worship than I did with the Bible, okay? I loved the experience of worship. I loved the feeling of, you know, everyone's voices raised, and I still do, probably more than ever before. But this teacher came, and before his message, he said, my desire today is to teach you into an encounter with God. I said, oh, I'd never heard anyone say that. It switched my association with the presence of God from being something just kind of more emotional and, oh, it happens in worship, maybe in prayer, to, whoa, when we read the words of this living word, we actually get drawn into a place of God's presence. So I'm believing today that Jesus wants to encounter us as we read his word, um, and I'm excited about it. We've been in the book of Acts, and we're going to stay in the book of Acts um, for one more week. And I'm in Acts 17 today. Has anyone been encouraged the last couple of weeks through the messages from Pastor Gina in this Acts series? Wow. It has just gripped me again, um, and the power of the Word of God just becomes so evident as we've been reading through it. So we're in Acts 17, and I just want to draw from um, this text and ask that the Holy Spirit would speak to us um, in a fresh way today. So let's pray, and then we'll, we will open the Word. Father, we thank you so much for your Word that you're so present, God, you're so near to us today. And we're even gonna see that evidenced in your word, and I thank you for that, Lord. We, we're already living in some ways and experiencing this message that we're about to hear, and I just thank you, Jesus, um, for how your word speaks and gives life. Um, and we say yes, Lord. We just want more of your spirit, God. I pray that our hearts right now um, would believe for more, even this morning, that we could draw nearer to you um, than we have been already. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to dig right into this chapter, you guys, Acts 17. I'm starting in verse 16. Just to set this up, the Apostle Paul has just um, traveled to Athens, and he's now by himself. There's no other apostles with him. So he's in Athens by himself for a little while. The place he came from got a little bit dangerous, so they had, they, you know, the other apostles moved Paul out to this other city. He's now in Athens. Athens at this time is not a big political center. It's not a place of great power in that regard, but it is the center of philosophy and philosophers and um, thought and art and culture. So this is sort of the setup of where Athens is at right now. Whereas Corinth is currently more the, the political center, Athens is still this place of power because this is where all the philosophers gather and, you know, still philosophies today So much are rooted in what was taking place at this time in Athens. So we are in Acts 17, and we're going to start in verse 16 and pick up the story. Here we go. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. So pause. He shows up in the city He's extremely distressed and under turmoil because there are idols and idols everywhere. 
they say at this time there may have been 3,000 different gods in Athens at this time. One philosopher says it was easier to find a god in Athens than it was to find a man. So this, this culture was so um, steeped in idolatry, similar to, I think, how culture still is today in so many places. You know, when we visited Thailand in February, we saw more physical idols. We saw statues and these um, things set up on almost every property. Um, in America, in this part of the country, we probably don't see that so much. Our idols are not as obvious, right? But culture is full of idols. You can walk um, anywhere in town, and you can see, by the way, people live, and you can see what's in the media, you can see what's in those gossip magazines at a family fair, whatever. Like, there is idolatry all around us in our culture, right? Things might just be um, a little bit trickier to see. So Paul begins to reason with Jews and God-fearing Greeks and with anyone who would happen to be in the marketplace. Here's verse 18. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Pause. This is a culture that doesn't believe there's one God, right? So they're hearing Paul talk about Jesus, this resurrection, and maybe some of them are just dismissing it like this is bogus. Maybe others are like, this is interesting. We may be able to add one or two more gods to our you know, to our city. Who needs 3,000? You can have 3,000 to two, right? This God of Jesus and maybe even the God of resurrection. They had some really strange gods in that time, not even people or, or names, but they would have gods to things like resurrection or things like, you know, these just different sentiments. So really, really strange culture. So he's talking with these Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. These are really intellectual people. One of those groups was essentially atheists, they didn't believe in God. The other group were pantheists, where they believed God is everything and everything is God. Kind of a strange philosophy. So he begins to speak with them. Verse 19. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. Pause. What, a, what just a funny picture. Some of you might know this as the sermon from Mars Hill. The Oropagus was a meeting place where these high and mighty intellectual people, philosophers, they would gather, and you'll see what they did. Verse 21, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Isn't this interesting? All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Does anyone know people like that? Is anyone that person? <laughs> Hands down quick. I mean, our culture, this rings so true to me with, with our culture today. I even think about in the you know, realm of um, the news or the media or world affairs or politics. It's like half of us even know, don't even know what happened like a month ago because everyone's already talking about something else. There's so much talk, there's so many ideas, even when it comes to things like self-help or things like the Enneagram, people have made a religion out of this already. Some of you millennials know what I'm talking about. Um, but people in our culture today still do this. We obsess with the latest, the greatest. It could be media, it could be sports, it could be TV, it could be The Bachelor, The Bachelorette. 
and no one in here would confess to that, I'm sure. The rose ceremony, no. Some of you don't know what that is, I'm proud. I'm proud. Um, I don't watch that either, um, I promise. I don't, now some of you think I do. I don't. Have I ever watched that page? No, thank you. So, this culture is obsessed with the latest and greatest ideas. I love Paul's response to these people in verse 22. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Oropagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Pause right there. What Paul's about to say struck me so hard this last week as I begin to study this. And I encourage you not just to hear this verse, but to hear this concept. I think so often we still bring our fast-paced mentality to get what we want and get it quick, even into our relationship with God. That's why I think mornings like this are really cool, because we got to a place where we were no longer in a rush, we were comfortable with things getting uncomfortable, we were okay waiting on the Lord. We have to continue in that path if we really want to go where God wants us to go. As I was studying this passage, I was probably into my fourth hour of prayer, study, worship before this scripture grabbed my heart. It wasn't in my 10-minute devotional, and I'm not knocking 10-minute devotionals. I have those, and I do those. It wasn't in my 30-minute time with the Lord, and then I got to rush to a meeting, so we got to make this quick, Lord, meet me fast. It was in the, I have to slow down long enough to really get inside the word and really let the word get inside of me. So I encourage you in that. Don't be discouraged if it feels like, oh, geez, I'm not even like getting in the Bible. Just start somewhere. But as we grow in it, let's allow the Lord even to demand a little bit more of our time, demand a little bit more of our focus and our energy, and allow him to draw you into the secret place. Um, this has been a journey for me. I, I can acknowledge I have not always been super aware of, I think, my need for God day to day. I've been recognizing more in the last year these days when I just kind of feel like, oh, this is just a boring day, eh, I just feel blah. It's like, what do I want? Am I hungry for something? Eh, I don't know, nothing sounds good. Um, I'll just go find something to do. For a long time, I didn't really realize what that was. And I've slowly began to realize this is the Lord's way of showing me only he will satisfy. Nothing else I try is gonna fill it. I've gotta pull away and get to the secret place. So allow the Lord to do that and allow him to show you when you're feeling that way and when he's really pulling on your heart into a secret place. So I read these two verses and they rocked me and I'll explain why. Verse 26 and 27. From one man, God made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history 
and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. I'm gonna read the next few verses. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed, Jesus. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Back to 26 and 27. This struck me so hard. It's strange to find myself as a believer coming back around to this one question. It seems every few months or maybe once a year, but every once in a while I find myself in this place where even as a Christian I'm asking, God, why am I here? And what am I doing? What do you want from me while I'm on this planet? Does anyone still resonate with that at times? When it's like, Lord, I... I Am I doing the right thing? Am I living the right way? Am I doing what is successful in your eyes and your heart? And this spoke so strongly to me, you guys. Verse 26, from one man, God made all the nations that we should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out your appointed times in history and he has marked out the boundaries of your land. God did this so that you would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. I begin to realize, Lord, the answer to my question is seated in this verse. You did all of this so that I would seek you, perhaps even reach out to you and find you. This is my purpose. Our purpose will never be found in our pursuits. It won't even be found in our dreams or the things that God has legitimately placed inside of us. Let me explain this. There's this idea of callings, and people still talk like this all the time. What's your calling? Have you found your calling? What is God calling you to? Are you going to reach your destiny? It's like, Lord, let me reach my destiny. Yes, we should. God, let me get into my calling. What's my calling, Lord? And this concept began to strike me. Some of us need to relax and stop stressing so much about what God has called you to. Because if we would spend the amount of time we spend worrying about that, God, am I missing my calling? Am I doing what you want me to do? And if instead we would think about the purpose that God created us to seek him, that perhaps we might even reach out and find him, that's our purpose. That's your purpose. Do you think David before he killed the giant Goliath, knew that one day he was going to stand and kill Goliath? I don't think so. We know he killed a lion. We know he killed a bear. But he was tending sheep, right? David wasn't as concerned with killing a giant at some point in the distant future as he was with obeying God in the present. Or Moses. Think about Moses. You think Moses knew as a child Growing up, oh yeah, one day I'll deliver all these people from Egypt. I don't really think so. And I think we read those stories and almost get tricked into thinking like, well, yeah, I'm sure that, like he knew he was Moses. He knew he was gonna do it. No way. I think Moses was 
more concerned with his obedience when God spoke to him in a burning bush than he was with one day fulfilling his calling of leading out the Israelites. Does this make sense? Your calling and your destiny will be a natural result of you fulfilling your purpose. What's your purpose? To seek God, to perhaps even reach out to him and find him. This is your purpose. This is my purpose. It's like Jesus was about his father's business. We seek his kingdom first. All these other things are added. And you guys, I understand that the temptation and the challenge that we feel sometimes, like, well, God, if I'm gonna do this, I gotta do it my way. Like, I gotta make this happen. And I think the Lord so often with those things and those desires and pursuits we have would say, come back to your purpose. Seek me. Reach out to me. Find me. Let me cause your destiny, your calling to happen as a byproduct of you focusing on your purpose. Does that make sense? So powerful. I'll read this once more, these two verses. From one man, God made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. Take this for yourself. He marked out your appointed time in history and the boundaries of your lands. God already knew when you would be here. He knew where you would live. God did this so that you would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Verse 29, therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. I feel like just as our response this morning, and some of you, the word repent has such a negative connotation because you feel condemned, you feel shamed, you feel, and I, that's not where we should stay in a place of repentance. Repent quite simply means to change the way we think, to change our mind. I can change in action, but if I haven't changed my mind and the way I'm thinking about it, I'll probably just go back and do the action again. But if we can repent, turn from our ways, our actions, and ways of thinking that aren't what God desires, he will meet us. So I feel like not in a con condemning type of way, but there may be things or ways that you've even been approaching your life that God might be asking you, hey, just repent in this way. Let me lead you my way and trust my process, that through my process you'll end up where you're supposed to end up. Let's stand up. We're just gonna respond to the Lord. I know the Holy Spirit may be speaking a million different things, and he's amazing like that because he can take one word and cut deeply into each of our hearts in a unique way. Let's just look to him right now Father, we just want to approach you, Lord, with confidence, and we just want to say, God, we want to walk in that purpose, Lord. I thank you, God, even this morning is just a beautiful testament, Father, of where so many hearts are already in this place of saying, God, my life purpose will be to seek you, to perhaps even reach out to you and find you. And God, I just pray that we would as a church and as individuals make that pursuit. Lord, that we would lay down 
any striving that's outside of your timing, God, that we would trust you with the things that you've given us, Lord, with the dreams and desires that you've given us, Father. I feel speaking this. Some of you are like 20s or younger, and you feel like, like you should be at your peak already, and I would just feel like God would encourage you, just relax. Let your life play out. Like, let God work on you, in you, through you, as you continue to walk. You, yeah, you're not behind, and if you are, God can catch you up. But I just really feel that. If you will begin to make the pursuit of your heart to fulfill that purpose, to seek God, to reach out to him, to find him, you will discover a sense of fulfillment on the journey that you've been striving for, that you've been wanting so deeply. Thank you, Jesus. If um, you're in this place and you would say like, wow, something in here, in this word just really hit me. Maybe the Holy Spirit's already stirring an area of your heart or kind of pointing out something like, hey, maybe we should try it my way instead. Would you just lift a hand to the Lord? And I want you just to receive from the Lord and begin to speak to him about that. And just respond to him now. Begin to ask him to help you. Begin to ask him to change your heart. Begin to ask him to reveal his ways. Lord, we just give you ourselves, Father, fully and completely, Jesus. We want to be people who are devoted, Father, to this one thing. Lord, loving you with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Wow. If a people would make that commitment, God, to love you with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, God, if that became our primary focus again, Lord, the things you would do in and through us, God, would astound us. So, Lord, we just return to that, to the primary reason for life. We could seek you, perhaps reach out for you, and even find you, God. For you are near to us. I thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burningheartsfargo.com. If you are in the Fargo area, we would love for you to join us at one of our Sunday services, either 9 or 1045 a.m. Have a great rest of your week.